I saw this girl. She's going yeah, my uh, boy, buddy. this tone look shit is awful, huh? <laughs> Come on, uh, it's. It's it's, it's. I mean, it's, um, it's it's nostalgic. Yes, it, that's the thing. It's so nostalgic because this takes me back to probably like fourth grade. Uh huh. And I had my my buddy who lived in my like down. We didn't live in a neighborhood. We lived on on a road, and buddy lived down the road. Um, he was really into music, so he like turned me on to a bunch of stuff and. You know, fourth graders. Yeah, no, this, this is this is very much a fourth grade song. Yeah, this oh, yeah. is. This is not good. No, but it's chock full of nostalgia. But it's very nostalgic. Um. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's terrible. My nostalgia is getting the best of me, then. Uh, this it's so simple. It's it just, is simple. It's just was that hip hop back in? The, there know, was 88, 89? There was more clever hip-hop and stuff going on. This is like... This is the tombstone old contention of, of hip-hop. Could be, could be. You know, this is... All of that shit you read where yeah. it's like, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, this is, this is the greatest, the best stuff ever. I what Tone Loke's doing today. Right now, what is Tone Loke doing? I hope... He is resting comfortably on a sack of money that he earned and didn't like waste. Yeah. Right? Like just yeah, okay. Like yeah. what was Toad Look's day today? He woke up and what did he do? I hope he's just comfortable and happy. Did can I walk? can I have can I have that hope that he's just he, Did he, he walk down to the club? Did he say, hey, baby, let's do the wild no, thing? No, because cause, cause this is just dumb shit that he was spouting to a mic in order to, to make a bit of money back then. But, you know, he's... I'm trying to yes end here, and you're like, oh, I just hope he's happy. And... Yeah, because I don't... <laughs> trying to improv with you, okay. and you're like, I, I hope he's I, happy. I, I, didn't, I, I apologize, because I did not get the, the, that you were trying to improv with me and go here. So uh, we, we were not, we didn't have the group mind going. Uh, <laughs> we lost the moment now. Yeah, I didn't get your, I didn't get your, uh, your, your, your hints. So I apologize. That. I was just thinking like, why are you dumping on Toad Look? I'm not. That, no, no, I no, that's, what you thought I, that's what you thought I was doing, I think. No, no yeah. my, my point was more like, I'm, I'm thinking for some reason, like, I... I just hope that he, you know, got what he needed out of this and didn't just waste all his money and... and He's probably, like, the coolest grandpa ever. If he has, like... If, if he still has money, yeah. It's like, if, or if he still... Or, or if he has enough, you know... I'm not saying that, yes, he... It doesn't have to be a rich guy running around in limos, but just he has a nice, comfortable living. I'm just thinking, uh, he's, he's in his tracksuit with a hat, and he's going to pick up the grandkids, and he takes them to the park. Oh, that'd be great! Yeah, that's what I want. I, I want... I want him to be happy, is my point. Like, I want it... Like, while this is awful, it's still joyous. There, there's a there's a fun and a sense of, like... And he goes to the book club with Easy e Easy is dead. Oh. He died of AIDS. <laughs> That's right. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, who's got the clock? Who's the... Oh, uh, um, Flavor Flav. Flavor Flav. That's what I meant to say. Flavor Flav had a 
reality show because he wasted all his fucking money. That's why I'm saying, like, I hope Tone Loke just... Bismarcky? Yeah, Bismarcky, another guy. Another thing that this is kind of the same level of this. Uh, I think I think Tone Loke was better than Bismarcky. Bismarcky was like the fat boys of Tone Loke. Yeah, but like... On this level, the Beastie Boys were a lot more creative than either of these guys. Yeah, for sure. Right? Even though they had their it's own... because they were white. No, <laughs> it's not because they were white. I mean, there was shit going on here that was... I mean, there was, like, Living Color, and there was... Um, uh, Belle Biv DeVoe, and there's, like, all these interesting stuff yeah. happening here that were more musical and were doing more stuff. Yeah, uh, and this is just kind of like simple. Oh, it's so simple, but some of that NWA stuff was really simple too. Right, but there was an edge to it, and there was, and, and it was, uh, it was about exploration, and, and it was really exploring these things. Yeah, this is, is like, this is this is the all right. The, so I would like to hear this some, Kitty NWA. some some tone look, uh, like demo stuff. Like, what was he doing before he got curated into a pop artist, right? Yeah, that's a good question. Or is he just developed from a very early age to become a pop artist? What the <laughs> hell are we? Let's turn that up a little bit. It's called the homies. The homies. This sounds kind of like a demo here. I'm switching to the Beastie Boys. Shit, if I knew it was going to be this kind of party, I'd stick my dick in the mashed potatoes. <laughs> this is a little bit later, of course, but you hear, like, yeah. the production, and, and they're, they're, they're trying, you know, and something like, uh... Some of the early Beastie Boys stuff is, like, come on. Why like, is the ill? Like... So much stuff on Lice of the Ill was just pop music, like, pure, like... No, yeah, no, but but they... they, once, they, they once they got established, they were able to get better. And they and they worked at it. I mean, they, they, right. they started just blah, then they started to learn but how to I mean, play Tom instruments. But I mean, really only and, had one, like, good album. I mean, I don't know what the second album was. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, so, not, I'm not trying to... He would have established himself with... Wild Thing and Funky Cold Medina maybe would have got those were just like yeah but you I know you said NWA was more edgy but come on it wasn't much more no but but they they were way before they were way before Tone Look and they were you know they started playing with sampling and started playing with with a bunch of different stuff and yeah they were simple because they were exploring this shit and then they were you know I think Tone was around the time, like, you know, Dre was going on. I mean... Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Not a student of hip-hop. Rap, whatever. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not either, but I do, like... I know that, that there is so much evolution happening. Like, shit, while Tone was happening, I think Wu-Tang was coming together. Like... And that's some fucking next-level shit. Yeah, sure. I'm not trying to insult Tolma, but like he's not even on the level of. 
I was gonna say something that I think I would regret, which is I was gonna say not on that level of Weird Al Yankovic. That's bad for me because Weird Al Yankovic is top level. Yeah. He is he's a fucking musician. He's a talented musician. Uh, and if you listen to some of his stuff, you you, you recognize that. Uh, all props to Weird Al. He he knows what the what he's doing, and he's really good at what he's doing. Not that he's not cheesy. Of course he's cheesy. Right. But you listen to to the work he puts in the shit, and, and oh, like, yeah. Yeah. the composition of what he's doing. It, it's, Even when he was trying to get out of his contract, he was putting out good work. He yeah. Put out shit, right? And there's a story that you know Ben Folds when he was stuck in a contract, right? He had to write. He wrote a song about it, but it was like this ridiculous thing where they, the label told him he had to write like 3.4 more songs. Uh huh. So he like one song was one down and 2.4 to go, <laughs> and then that's when he wrote the. He wanted to make songs that would never, they couldn't get radio play uh-huh. to make the label company, uh, label any money. So he wrote a song called "The Secret Life of Morgan Davis," which is about this guy who gets up at night, like does all these d- d- like despicable things, and then you know go, goes to sleep and wakes up and goes to work in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, that was interesting because he played it live and like I could not find this song on the internet for years I could not find a recording of this song I'm like did I dream this whole thing and uh but he finally re- what, what's the Beastie Boys song where they sample the if I knew it was going to be this kind of party I stick my dick with mashed potatoes I don't remember it's off of of uh What's the uh, not no communication, but um, I license to ill, maybe license to ill is a fight, but you're right. It's not, not, it's not on that. Was it Paul's Boutique? Probably off of Paul's yeah, Boutique. I don't know. Let's see. Let me think of, of some subjects. Trying to think if I've, you know, times that I've had my head up, head up what I've noticed. Um, I don't know if it's new or old. I saw Nick Noble about some guy did research whether uh, cats can be classified as a solid or a liquid. Cats? Cats. You like the the pictures that accompanied the thing were like you know very very fuzzy cats like in a square box and it looked like they filled the whole box type thing. <laughs> okay. But you know the thing about ignobles right is there's actually a tidbit of right right interesting stuff. Well, what what immediately came to mind when you said that was was is a tire molecule. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier, like way earlier, and I, I said no. And I reconsider it, and I and and my reconsideration comes to me saying no, only because you cut it and still uh, no, still only because then if you do that, the molecule loses all kind of meaning. Like like, well, if you break a molecule, it's a different thing. You cut tire in half, it's still vulcanized rubber. It's Right, right, and 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 you know if if you keep think if if you just accept that a molecule is, is a construction polymer chain, uh, and, and then it is effectively endless. Um, but it reminds me of the Pluto argument in some way. Okay. All of these are planets, uh-huh. 
Like, here's the thing about the Pluto argument. I think that the, it's been, it's, it's been, uh, I guess, represented poorly from from the the, the Pluto quote unquote detractors. The whole point of the argument is that Pluto deserves respect, not that Pluto doesn't deserve respect, right? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that that the, the people who are saying Pluto is a planet because you need to respect Pluto. If you follow their argument, then they also say, yeah, and, and yeah, okay, make Sirius a planet and make all these little things, other things a planet. If you do that, it just devalues Pluto more, right? Pluto stops being the smallest planet. Pluto just becomes an, a, another piece of, of just all these things that are called planets. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to respect Pluto by keeping the planet... Think of the king of the minor planets. Then... Yeah, if you want to, if you want to keep it a planet because you want to respect Pluto, then in order to do that realistically, you have to accept all these other things in a planet, and then Pluto just becomes another object, and then the whole idea of planet just becomes a, a just a small thing, and Pluto loses respect because of that. If Pluto didn't share its name with a cute dog, people wouldn't care. <laughs> well, I mean, just think about all the things that make Pluto interesting and different. So it's, it's mysterious. It's not. I mean, it's not all that mysterious, but it's it's pretty freaking mysterious. The best picture we had until a couple of years ago was like eight pixels across. Right, but but look at like okay, so the 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 planets, the eight that that are now, you know, huh? the International Astronomical Society considers planets according to their definition. Uh, there are kind of two types. There are these rocky ones. Uh, that are close to the sun, and then there are these gaseous ones. Uh, these rocky ones are all kind of similar to each other. Uh, the the gaseous ones are, are there's two that are different than the other two. Uh, they're sort of these uh-huh. cold gas ones yeah. and these warmer gas ones. Uh, but all of these are on the the ecliptic of the sun, uh, and then you get to this, this object Pluto, which is in, in this different zone. It's uh, it's not on the ecliptic. Uh, it's made of a. Of, it's not made of rock mostly. It's made of, of ice. That's made of a very. It's not ice, ice like in your in your refrigerator. It's just as hard, if not harder, than rock, because uh, you know its construction, how cold it is. You know, if you were to put Pluto where Ceres is, it would it would start to boil off yeah. and and make a and make a tail. But because it is where it is, it still evolves and does all these interesting things. It gets enough energy to do that, but doesn't boil yeah, off. Yeah, it's just those cryogenic processes as opposed to mm-hmm. warmer processes. There's so many But interest- I mean, Pluto... So here's a question. I probably knew this at some point, but I don't remember it right now. Is, you know, its, it's uh, orbital plane is 23 degrees off or whatever. It's, it's way out there. Do we think that it was captured? Like, was it... I don't think so. No, did it, did it accrete? Like, but how to get if it accreted into its size where it was? How how to get you know such a steep incline on its plane? I'm all of more, the that's the thing. All of the objects in the Kuiper Belt have that sort of inclination. Oh, really? So that's the thing. I was kind of so I was wondering was you know was it ejected from much deeper in the Kuiper Belt? Right or, where, or do they? Or are they? Well, I mean, it's I not like the Oort cloud where it's a big. Uh, I don't. I, know. I believe the Kuiper Belt kind of has an off inclination to the sun. It'd be the first time I've heard it. Uh, so. I, I, I'm not entirely sure here, but but it's it's you know it definitely does not 
follow the other model, the right. other objects. So here, a series of questions. Planets. I assume most of the planets formed in an area near where they are now. I don't assume that at all. No, I think that, especially because when we look around, we see all these Jupiters near their suns. Uh, I think that there's evidence, or at least strong suspicion, that stuff has migrated. uh, Okay. uh, And has uh, continued, has migrated before and has continued to migrate. Uh, and, And we're seeing kind of a, you know, a snapshot of now, but the snapshot of now is not Okay. Uh, All right. Is, that's is not, that's fine. Not the way it uh, was. So I was wondering if there was, you know, what the what the popular thought is whether Pluto kind of formed in the relative vicinity of its current orbit. I'm pretty sure. Or that... whether it was like something that formed much deeper and like three bodies, something or another, injected it, and now it's in its orbits, and now you know that kind of thing. I'm pretty sure that Kuiper Belt objects like Pluto are considered to be very ancient, very old objects that that are basically where they were from the beginning, and some of them become comets and some of them stay out there uh, just like the Oort cloud some of them become comets most of them just sort of stay out there yeah. and if they get disturbed they can come oh. in yeah. um, I, I don't know I'm not full up in my astronomy like my astrophysics is better than my astronomy is um, sure it, so so I, I can't say whether that's absolutely true or not okay. I think that that's my understanding but as far as far as what I, I'd be curious if that's true that like all the Kuiper Belt objects have a, a tendency to have that inclination that Pluto has. Yeah. Versus the other eight like planets. a spherical thing of, of objects around the sun in various different orientations, right? That that would that's what the Oort cloud is. I don't know whether the Kuiper Belt is 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 a is is a belt like the asteroid belt, where the, it's a belt of stuff on the ecliptic, roughly. Yeah. Uh, versus, and in, in if the Kuiper Belt is sort of inclined in that nature, and Pluto is just the biggest I mean, one of those. My, my gut is I've seen diagrams, and it didn't show the Kuiper Belt inclined like Pluto. It showed it kind of on the ecliptic. So Pluto is kind of even more oddball in that space. Is hmm. my gut feeling, but I don't know. I don't know if gravity would allow that, right? I mean, you would think that 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 particularly the way the way that, that gravity is working, it would kind of force objects into some sort of into a planar arrangement. At least that close to the sun. Once you get far enough away, and the Oort cloud is five hundred AU away, uh, th- then then gravity you know, loses its ability to do that. But when you're only the ten or fifteen AU. Uh, or even 100 AU or something like that, it's still it's still powerful enough. Okay. And it's also closer to you know, objects like Jupiter and other things. And not, I mean, it's not that close. <laughs> it's still far away. Um, not insignificant. No. Well, I mean, it depends on, on, on what you call insignificant. If the gravity of Jupiter can perturb your orbit, then it's, it's not insignificant. But... The gravity of the sun, gravity of all, of everything can perturb your because it, gravity is infinite force. It continues forever. It just gets, it just decreases by a square. So it, it decreases. I hear what you're saying. I mean, in a, in a in a way that you and I would consider uh, significant. Yeah, yeah. For from a from the point of numerical calculations, it's insignificant. From a purely dynamical understand, like 
everything. What's, what's the quote? All models are false. Some are useful. <laughs> we have a model of gravity. Gravity doesn't have an equation. Gravity doesn't work because an equation tells us to work. We have a model that puts an equation on it that fits very well to what we observe. But uh, gravity is not solving equations when it, when it does plan. It just is. Whatever the nature is. <clears throat> I recently heard about Cunningham's Law. Okay. Uh, the best way to get the right answer on the internet is not to ask a question. It's to post the wrong answer. Oh. Be like, I heard the cats are purple. Uh-huh. Cats are purple, right? Or, well, or, like... Cats are purple. Uh, or... or uh, beers are, are all distilled. We're gonna jump on you. No, you're wrong. It isn't Common, it should be called a comic book guy law. <laughs> well, it's Cunningham's laws, <laughs> But it's but the people who answer are the comic book guy. Well the people who answer are the people who, who feel like they need to they need to correct and So uh, get this I have been that guy, yes. for sure. Get this shit, right? So Max and I, since right before Christmas, have been playing through the multiplayer split-screen co-op of Halo. Okay, yeah, Halo right. Halo 1, right. Halo 2, Halo 3, Halo 4. So now we're caught up, and we can play Halo 5 on Xbox One, right? Fucking game doesn't have split-screen co-op. You need multiple consoles, and you can do it over Xbox Live. Right, because... I bet who actually gets face to face and plays video games anymore. I bet Halo Five was a console like like they, they had a time to get it out and they didn't you know abandon the split screen because we need to get this out in time. But it's like I'm having like good quality time with my son. Like we played Halo One on the original Xbox, uh-huh. and then we played two, three, and four Master Chief Collection on the Xbox One. And like he's like, "Okay, let's go to play Halo Five, Dad." And like I was trying to get it set up, and it's not working. And it's like it looks like you have to do it on different consoles over the internet. So I'm gonna get a new. Am I going to get a second Xbox and a second big screen TV? Uh, That'd be a pretty epic way to play side by side, though. Um, And the Xbox One is a pretty good media player. I don't have any other device that can do Plex and Netflix and Amazon. (laughs) A Roku can. Can it do Plex? Yeah. Oh, my old Roku can. Yeah. My Roku TV can, so I assume. Yeah, okay. I have an old Roku and Roku 2 or whatever and you know it can't do Netflix or no it seems limited it couldn't do one of them maybe I need to look at Roku but I'm like maybe I splurge for an, an 1S for the bedroom media player and then I can use it to play it feels a little, it feels a little much right if you can get a Roku like stick and do that then yeah. yeah but as a bonus you get to play uh Halo with your son. I guess Halo 6, they've confirmed that it will have split screen co-op again. 
Oh, the other thing I tried is I hooked up the Xbox to a TV in front of the treadmill. I'm like, I'm going to play Fallout. I get like hours and hours of walking in. I got motion sick as fuck <laughs> after like 30 minutes. Wonder if VR would be in, would, would work on a. I mean, because I know there are treadmill things in VR, but what if you had like a. But it's like, I still had the peripheral mm-hmm. of anchoring myself and stuff. But you're playing a first person game and you're walking. And that, I just. Sitting on a couch and playing a first person game? Fine. I got so motion sick. Interesting. From walking on a treadmill and trying to play Fallout. I'm. I mean, my, my question would be, of course, could you change the FOV? Like, the... the, 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 the there, There's a way, you could, like, the, the percentage of it or something like that. I forget what yeah, it is. I, I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, it was bad. I had to stop. And I'm like, this is going to be great. This is going to be, like, the life hack of the century, right? Because I'm going to play Fallout for, you know, hundreds of hours. Why not do it while I'm exercising, right? And no, I got so sick. Uh, this interesting question that that uh, I I put that I saved the answer to somebody else wrote because I thought it was a good answer because I didn't have an immediate you know just lots of things I don't know. Uh, first, well, first of all, I want to I want to bring up this word that I learned called the word the word is ultra ultra rep. Darianism. Ultra crepidarianism. Crepidarianism. It's the habit of giving opinions and advice on matters outside of one's knowledge. <laughs> Welcome to the internet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, quite, quite a good word there. Ultra crepidarianism. Uh, but since I'm not, or I try not to be, an ultra crepidarianist. Uh, I thought this was a good answer to the question. Why exactly does water put out fire so effectively? Okay. Both oxygen and hydrogen happily burn. Why is the combination of the two such a great anti-fire agent from a physics standpoint? Mm-hmm. And the answer some post here was because uh, when they're combined to form water they have already undergone all the combustion they are capable of undergoing. Water is the product of the absolutely complete combustion of hydrogen and oxygen. There is no further combustion they can undergo. Alright, so water and water vapor is different than oxygen and hydrogen. But there has to be something about it sequestering oxygen from the fuel, right? Well, as he says, there's a there's a force. This this stresses forcefully the essential difference between a chemical compound, water, oh, sure. and a mixture. But I mean, there's a different answer, right? There's, it's it's not just that it's not combustible because sand, well, sand is also a good fire putter out, right? Right, but, but it's it has to do with taking the oxidizer away from the fuel, right? That's the main thing that puts out fire. Well, there are there's the triad of fire, fuel heat and oxygen or an oxidizer right right, uh, right. And the, the way you put out fires is by cutting off one uh, of those or or heat and water is really good at removing the specific heat out of a right. water system. water water has a very high enthalpy of vaporization yeah. 
Um, so that's helpful too. So if you get a blow that's flashpoint, that puts out a fire. So maybe that's what water. So maybe is that maybe the, is that the main thing that water does is drops the temperature of the fuel. I, well, it, it my cuts. First, it, you know, it. it, it I, my first guess was it can, that it can smother a fire. Uh, in in some cases, when uh, if if it's getting its oxidizer from the air, it can smother a fire. Uh, if it, you submerge it, but if you're just spraying it, right? Then it's is the water vapor? You're at least like you, you can at least cover the, some of the surface area and and prevent yeah. it from getting oxid from getting Oh, because it's because of this. Actually, the surface membrane of the water makes it kind of sticky, right? That it's kind right, of, right. Kind of yeah. Even if there's a thin film of water. Mm-hmm. It's, going to block the oxygen. But it has such a high... Why does it have such a high enthalpy of vaporization? Why does it take so much heat? Because it's done all of what it can do. It, it's it, Water is one of the lower energy configurations of, of this stuff. Yeah. Of, of oxygen and hydrogen together. In order to get them into that, a lot of energy has to come out. So in order to get that back up to a high temperature, you got to put a lot of energy back in. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, like, if the fire is hot enough, soup, you know, if it's a, if it's the sun, you can spray water on it, and that's not going to do anything. It's going to vaporize immediately because it's just too hot. But if it's a typical fire you have on Earth, mm-hmm. uh, then, then it's going to be able to overcome that and just smother it ultimately. Right. Where putting salt or sand on a fire is not going to do as well at removing energy from the system, but it does do a good job at blocking the oxidizer. Mm-hmm. Possibly separating the fuel from the system too, if it if, if it can, because if if it can mix in, like the, the salt can can melt a little bit, but also can push away the pieces of fuel from it. Right, there's there's lots of different things it can do, but I think yeah, mostly you're like smothering. Gre- if you're thinking about like grease fire or something, right? You mm-hmm. put salt on it, that might dilute the fuel. That will definitely, yeah. That, that's a, that's an old kitchen trick, from what I understand. It's just cut a cut open a box of salt and pour it on a grease fire, and that will that will stop yeah. the grease fire. Yeah, I would I would have thought that it was uh, the oxidizer part, but maybe it isn't diluting the fuel. some of these things that I uh, some of my high thoughts Greg's high thoughts <laughs> no more Greg explains his tweets now it's great right uh, that was good that was a good one uh, this, this, this would have been a tweet uh, perhaps the fundamental difference between science and religion is that in science God talks back <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah. I said perhaps. Perhaps. No, no, it's good. I mean, the, my first thought... It's a little pithy. Yeah, my yeah. first thought is... God prescribes reason. Right? Yeah, I mean, maybe not... You said See, I, you said the fundamental, right? And this might not be fundamental. Yeah. But, you know, my first... Let's, let's workshop this, right? Yeah. And it's like, religion has reason baked into it. Like, 
not not reasoning, but the reason that has. Yeah, religion starts with a premise. Yeah, and and in in a way, so does science. Science starts with the premise that this is intelligible. But you know, religion also has a premise of there's a meaning to this whole thing. Right. That there, there's a purpose. Yeah, purpose. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Purpose. Science does not prescribe a purpose. It simply says this is intelligible in, in some sense. This this, yeah. this is not this is not inexplicable. Things don't just happen. There are except at the quantum level. Even then, there are rules. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there there are. And, and the rules are not prescriptive, they're descriptive. We find the rules, right? Uh, but, or at least we, we try to describe the rules as, as, as best we can find them. Uh, but there are, it's not like everything can do anything. Why not? It's, it's how it is. If it wasn't like that, then we wouldn't have that, <laughs> which is not a satisfying answer in some sense, yeah. uh, but it's an honest one. Sure. Uh, you know, the, the why does the universe have rules? Because if it didn't have rules, then we wouldn't say it had rules. This is. <laughs> I mean, there's a maybe there's a bit of a philosophical. Thing it's much. Too. It's very much a philosophical thing. It's like you know. You know, did the rules arise? Like, are they inherent, or did they arise from us? You know, trying to describe order. You know, that kind of thing. So, just like math, right? Like, are numbers inherent, or did we invent them? You know, that kind of thing. I am like totally on the side of invention. Like, under invented concepts that describe. Yeah, I was having an argument with somebody about this, and he was like, there are eight planets. Yeah, there are eight planets. Well, if humans didn't exist, and we didn't make numbers, there would still be eight planets, right? And I was like, I see where you're going with this, but humans didn't... Humans invented the concept of eight. There would still be planets, but the... the how do you get to eight? It's not because there are necessarily eight objects without humans. It's because if you follow this process humans invented, then you get to a number that we call eight. You get to eight by following a process, not by not because eight is a prescriptive thing in the universe. Right. Something about complicated roundabout, but I do think it, it makes you could, sense. You know, if you're making that argument, you could probably tie it in, tie in some kind of thing about like almost like when you're learning something in school, they don't give you the full like, they don't tell you the, the most advanced way mm-hmm. you learn a half measure, right? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what the argument is, but yeah, I'm sure you can put together a good argument saying like you know, maybe that it, it wouldn't be a great argument because people aren't familiar with it, but the whole thing about how, you know, like blue, right, the color blue wasn't a thing back mm-hmm. in Shakespeare's time, you know, that kind of thing, right? You know, we got to find our definition. Now we can all see blue and 
differentiate blue, but several hundred years ago, humans couldn't really differentiate blue. Right, right. Uh, and and how color is all in the brain, and if people think that's not true, they ask about the dress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that, that's not a great example. Right. Other than the kind of example you want to use, so, but something that is more known and more intuitive to people. Okay, so on that kind of religious idea, I was thinking about Adam and Eve. Like as a as a fable, not as as not as as a this is how the world works, but you know, as an Aesop's fable, like you know, an ancient thing. Um And so, so here's the way I phrased it uh, in the simulation argument. I don't care if we are in a simulation or not. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, I don't care who or what created our reality or why it's here. I care that it is here. I care much more about what our reality is rather than where it possibly came from. Uh, to use an ancient metaphor, I will eat from the fruit of knowledge. I don't care if it kills me, I want to know. I'm siding with the serpent. What's interesting is the serpent was not compelling Eve to eat. The serpent wasn't forcing anything. The serpent was telling the truth. The serpent can't control whether you're compelled or not by by the truth. You are or you aren't. But the serpent was being honest. The serpent was not saying you'll live forever it was saying you'll have knowledge <laughs> uh, the serpent was saying and, and God was hiding that knowledge in the fable from Adam and Eve and the serpent was saying look if you eat this fruit you're going to get knowledge it's it's sort of like to, to give an example from, from pop culture when, when Morpheus offers the two pills to Neo you know if you take the red pill, you'll see how deep the rabbit hole goes. But I'm not promising you that everything's going to be good if you take the red pill. I'm just saying, if you want to know, right. yeah. here you go. But you're you have to take that willingly. And would are you going to take the pill? Is the question. And uh, or are you, are are you going to worship? <laughs> Uh, I, 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 I'll, I, in that situation, I take the pill. This has been unfortunately hijacked. Now, red pilled is a is is a term used by like men's rights people and shit like that. Or and they're like, you red pilled, and so now you understand the way feminists are destroying society. Um, it's it's terrible because I think it's a really cool metaphor okay. that uh that has been fucking destroyed. Anyway, uh, what I mean, what good is paradise if you can't think? What good is happiness if you have no understanding? What good is knowledge if you can't share it? I'm not happy knowing shit. I'm happy knowing shit and sharing it. Yeah. Uh... The dialogue's weird. I wrote a dialogue with, with myself. Okay. Oh, you were high? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I was trying to kind of challenge myself to explain myself to myself. Okay. Uh, the analogy that I've heard that, that that's good about this is is I just recently uh, heard about this is, is rubber duck programming, okay. which I doubt you've ever heard of because I haven't heard. No. But I just heard about it from from a colleague. Uh, you get to those situations where you're stuck. You don't know what's happening, why this isn't working. And rubber duck programming is you take a rubber duck that's on your desk and you explain it to the rubber duck. And in that way, okay. you are you hopefully see what it is that you're trying to get at. Well, it's like when you finally call someone over to take a look at your problem. And it's, it's the same, yeah, it's the same thing, but it's just without, time without having a person, person there, yeah. what do you do? Uh, so here's, here's, uh, I'll try to do different voices to make it okay. What does energy do? Uh, it resonates. Resonates where? Into other energies along different axes. When does it best resonate? When frequencies match easily, closely. Why does this resonate best when frequencies match easily? Because they are additive the closer they are. Why are they additive the closer they are? Uh, let me see. Ah, here we go, because of wave mechanics. If they're waves, why do they behave like particles? It's a good one. Uh, Alright, well, get this. Quantum mechanics. <laughs> really? Come on. Really? Yeah, actually, wait, yeah. I mean, maybe. I mean, wait. Actually, yeah. Actually, very much yeah. I wouldn't have bought it either, but yeah, that's how it works. Really? Yeah, in fact, you're kind of starting to look like, you're kind of starting to look like the crazy opposite one. <laughs> then what about black holes? Oh, well, that's a good point. Uh, it, it might be this This kind of works, but there are problems. But look, the data is pretty indisputable. Black holes exist. You're right, there's something wrong, but... You know, our ways have been more successful than your ways pretty recently. <laughs> oh, really? What about the string theory thing I keep hearing about? How's that working out for you? <laughs> this dialogue continues. But, um... It's, my, it's like I, I think that the, the fun part here is uh, it gets to like where quantum mechanics you know came from and how weird it was and like mm -hmm. and how it was like yeah tentatively yeah and then as, as we kept exploring it really very much yeah it turns out this is actually how the world works and all this shit we learned before is just sort of not how the world works but kind of like a, a, an edge and and every time we thought no it's it's probably something more like the ed, more like the stuff we understand we get hit in the face with no it really is quantum mechanics that's how shit works uh and and the 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 trajectory of that understanding is very interesting to me the the way that we very tentatively like dipped our toes into this gigantic pool and found that 
the answers to all of our questions were there, but they were way different than we ever expected, uh, and and very much challenged uh, whether the pool existed or not. <laughs> We thought it was a pool. It turns out to be an ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we're on the tippy tip. And there's... And that's cool and scary. Right. Uh, but I embrace the, the scariness of it. In the same way that I'll take the apple. There's, there's more interesting to me about that exploration of the unknown. Uh, as long as I'm still tethered to my wall. I don't want to do the exploration of the unknown without the tether. Uh, which is why I don't go into the string theory area. Uh, why I, I doubt that. And the other things like loop quantum gravity too. Um, if it doesn't have a connection to experiment, I get nervous. And every time we keep compounding upon that, I think we're losing our bearings. Uh, and it's a problem it's a real problem but I don't have a solution for the um, Mythbusters Jr. just premiered a couple weeks ago this is Rab Savage and a bunch of kids 13 uh, to like 16 years old are on the show and uh, a couple of kids you know Allie's or you know, orbiting on Twitter and whatnot, and like now that like her, you know, acquaintances are on TV, she's like, kind of like refocused. Like, let's get back into this YouTube channel thing because like since school started, it's been really hard to find the time yeah. to do stuff. And now that she sees Allie and Elijah on MythBusters Junior, she's like, man, why are I, why are I at MythBusters? So. Um, she needs to work on her presentation. I watch a little the cookie one yeah well she did that that was all her sure but what immediately struck to me was how her friends were way more comfortable on camera than she was oh really she she felt like if you watch it she's she's very like uh, concerned almost like mush mouth it doesn't it doesn't come out right and her friends are just very expressive and open and and uh, and so so it 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 feels like Allie needs to gain some of that confidence Uh, yeah I think part of it was she was trying to wrangle cats a bit too right so she was actor director you know so I mean I think that was part of it I thought she did I mean I wasn't there she Uh did she did the recording. I didn't watch the whole thing, so I, 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 yeah. I because I wasn't interested in sure. No, no. Uh, no, no, it's. But like I saw, I watched the beginning, and it was very interesting how she was like, "Hey, we're doing cookies," and her friends like, "And here's what we're doing. We're gonna do all these cookies," and and her friends were very much like driving the the video. Yeah. And she, it felt like she was overshadowed where she should be taking the lead in these yeah. things. This is her video. She should be the yeah, one was... who's presenting. And I feel like, and, and and my, always my point with, with Allie was, you know, I expect her to grow into this. If she keeps yeah. doing this, yeah. she's going to get better and better yeah. at it. I know. Mean, so the victory there was she took her phone. She recorded all the footage herself. She edited 
This is the first Ellie makes where she edited. Mm-hmm. She learned how to use Blender to edit the show. She was into it, so cool. There was a lot of skills gained here. Was it the best video? No. Should we have taken time to done a little intro saying, "Hey, I did everything here myself." Maybe I don't know, but no. And I, I, it's more just the real skill she she needs to punch here is her presentation skills. She needs to really work on that in order if if she wants to do this. Sure. Right, it, it, uh, and I'm not. I'm, but I mean, she she knew she had to shoot all the B roll that she mm-hmm. shot. You know, I mean, she did. A that, really no, good that's job great. That, that's uh, that, that that's really no. I understand great. what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. I'm not trying to, and also I'm also not trying to defend her. Um, yes, it's not perfect. There's no, and, and and I never expected me, and you know, I, I give her all the credit in the world, and I'm. Uh, everything I'm seeing here is just me trying to be as constructive yeah, sure. as possible. Um, she, you know, she, yes, yes. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to defend. You can imagine when you're with a couple of friends, you can't do a bunch of takes. You can't do as many takes, sure, you know, as I make her do. Absolutely, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, uh, I almost feel like she should take improv classes, right? <laughs> to to, yeah. to to sort of break out of, of uh, I think there's a self-conscious thing going on there. I think she, so, yeah. And she needs to, she needs to be more performative and more like, if she's going to be a presenter, she needs to be like William Jackson Harper on on uh, on, on the Good Place. We're willing to go clowny, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, the they say the best dramatic actors are comedians mm-hmm. because comedians go real big, yeah. Uh, and all you gotta do is dial it down a bit. You gotta know how to go big. You gotta yeah. know how to really go out there and be inviting. You gotta be like Cliff Stoll, right? You gotta be you know, the, the, the Klein bottle guy. Yeah. You gotta be wide oh, yeah. and, yeah. and big and, and open. Uh, and then you just dial it back a bit. Yeah. And you can be real respectable and and really attentive and grabby. Yeah, and the video is 14 minutes. It's on the long side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another reason why I didn't watch it. Uh, but, but, you know... You know she, I let her make the decisions. That, so. That's... All of that is yeah. great. Um, you can't expect me to watch the thing. No. <laughs> but... Uh, it didn't feel... Like, especially from the beginning, it really felt like... Hi, I'm Ali, and this is a, 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 almost some sort of mushroom. And then her friends are jumping around and, and really expressive, and it was like that juxtaposition mm-hmm. hurt Ali. Yeah, sure. And that's fine as a learning experience, isn't it? But but you know, if you're gonna put something on on your channel, if you want to be like a presenter, if that's your goal. And he, and, he, and she wants to be on Mythbusters Junior, right? If she yeah. wants to be that, yeah. uh, they they wouldn't take her on Mythbusters Junior. She she gets too uh, insecure and and uh, and sort of shy. Yeah. That's not a bad thing, not at all. Yeah. Uh, she's not. It's not wrong for her to do that. It's not what is necessary for TV presenting. Oh, sure. Right? Uh, and and so she needs to break a little bit of that shell, and that's why I think, like, improv or something like that may be a way to... Sure. Or drama, something to, to break her yeah. 
out of that shell and to get her into the aspect of being performative and really just going big. Because you got to know how to go big in order to to go smaller yeah. successfully. No, I hear you. I mean... Yeah, I was debating, I was debating whether it was worth posting on the channel or not, but I also did want to crush her. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, she did do it all herself. Sure, there's nothing... And, I mean, uh, look, her channel doesn't have, like, yeah. even... Let's 20 remember. or 30 subscribers, right? I mean, it was 85. Oh, okay. But, but you shouldn't have a, yeah. a whole bunch of views. You shouldn't get... Yeah. A lot of people are, are subscribing just to... Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, if, if she had 100,000 subscribers, then no, I wouldn't put that no. on her channel. No. Right? That would go on her Patreon feed or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but she's, she's, she's learning, and, and, and this, this is valuable learning. It, it's like... You know, all the all, all the movie makers and shit, all the J.J. Abrams, they made these, you know, 8mm shit that no one ever should see because it's terrible. Yeah. But it was them learning how to do this yeah. shit. It was them building up these, these I mean, skills they're going to use later. This is not about her being popular now. This right. is about her learning the stuff she will, right. she'll need to, sure. to, to... I mean, that's what I feel she got out of it. She learned, well, you know... She was disciplined enough. I, I didn't think she'd come home with footage, mm -hmm. right? She came home with enough footage to make a video. That's great. You know, so... And she had the B-roll. She had Delamy's dad do that scene where they were in the bedroom and they were running down the stairs and all that. That was, you know, she she had envisioned, like, this whole cut scene, you know, and stuff like that, so... The only problem she had there is, like, at the end of every cut, she's falling down. And, <laughs> like... None of it was on camera, uh -huh. so you could never really see her falling down. But she falls down at the top of the stairs. She falls down at the bottom of the stairs. She falls <laughs> down at the. Well, you know, it, it, like I said, it, it, it's as as a learning experience, as as a as a cool way to, to, to for her to keep learning the stuff. It's great. Yeah. If she's wondering why she's not on MythBusters Junior, no. she got to work a lot a lot harder at this if she wants to be on that level. Uh, they uh, and the more she works at it, the better she'll be. To be fair, they uh, they coach the kids pretty heavily on the of show. Of course they do. Oh, yeah, they do. Of course they do. It's but like, it's like Allie Weber sourced a military parachute. No, she didn't. <laughs> but those kids are expressive kids who are who are not going to clam up on camera. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And and you know and and that's what you need people to pop. And they they were only casting kids like thirteen and up, so she was three years too young for the casting call anyway. Mm -hmm. But they, as time goes by, she'll especially if this makes her hungry. Good. Yeah, no, it's great. But she she does need that constructive yeah. bit of criticism, which yeah. is if you want to be a presenter, if you want to do these things, then you gotta. You got to break out of your shell. Yeah. You can't hold that shell around you, and you can't. You, I think you can't she, retreat. I mean, she definitely imitates some of the YouTubers that she watches a lot of. And stuff like sure, that, so. she but but that's she can't do that. Yeah. If she she has to not be imitating, she has to be doing her own thing, and she has yeah. to be confident enough to do her own thing. Yeah, and well, not once you get competent in doing, I don't know. I mean. Every, we imitated another beer podcast. At the beginning, of course, so, yeah, yeah. But you know. we got confident in our own shit that, that now yeah. we, we just <laughs> <laughs> give a fuck. We don't give a fuck because we know what we're doing. 
And 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 we know. And we're also not trying to make money on this thing. Well, so right. Let's not give a fuck. Right, but but we know like. We know that 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 we can find some way to fill the time. We we can we can do this and. Hell, I've become a way better like presenter, and you know I'm not embarrassed talking to you know large crowds. Or something. Oh, yeah. There may be like an initial burst if it's a really large kind of, of like, uh, but you know that's expected uh, for any performer. But yeah. then I'm not nervous about it. Uh, I'm not nervous about doing any any big thing like that. I, mm. I'm, I'm excited, mm. uh, and that that just comes from the experience of us doing this shit over and over yeah. again. Uh, and and being honest and, and and being ourselves, so I know I can be myself and still be at least somewhat entertaining. Uh, I know that uh, I was much more in a shell uh, before, like we did this show, and and then you know, fifteen years ago or so, I was mm-hmm. much yeah. more uh, closed yeah. in terms of who I am. And now, I think it's been. You know, helpful to my career, if something else, sure. uh, that I'm much more like, I, I will speak up in meetings. I, I will, uh, you know, I'll get in front of 200 people and, and make a comment. I'm not afraid of that microphone mm-hmm. if I have something I need to say. Or a thousand people or 5,000 people. I'll do it. Yeah. You know, the biggest group I've ever talked in front of. Probably not very big. I think it was about... My biggest was probably around 300 people. I'm drawing a blank right now. I'm trying to think. That was just me asking a question. But, uh, you know, like other people would be... You know, might not you know, might not even want to do that. But um, my, my, like, largest crowd of, of me giving a presentation was probably around 30 or 40. Yeah. That was easy. Yeah. Put that on my list. Talk in front of a thousand people. <laughs> Real live people, not podcast listeners. Uh, yeah. I mean, oh, it's it, it, it's dumb, but the uh, I hated I hated our, our keynote speaker. I, I kind of I never have liked any of them. Uh-huh. We have these keynote speakers, you know, who have nothing to do with the company, but they come to sort of do a, like I don't know a pep talk shit okay. or in the middle of our retreat. And uh, like semi-famous or <sighs> no, they're all kind of like. Yeah, I mean, like the summit is different. When we do our our, our summit, we've had sort of famous people. Like we had Billy Bean, who was the uh, the, the manager of the athletics, and and, and the guy uh, they made the movie Moneyball. Out of. <coughs> okay, that's a pretty famous guy. I mean, it's not yeah. like exceptionally famous, but but notable person. Right. Um, but obviously, clearly, someone is also on the talk show circuit, and you know, yeah. uh, doing these things. So. Uh, you know, you, you pull these motivational speakers and corporate speakers, and there, there's just, there's this whole industry around that. Uh, but every time, I just feel very underwhelmed and very like, very much like those motivational posters at Nauticom. 
<laughs> Why am I here? Why is this going on? I'm here to to get information about the company, listen to the people, you know, the, to to the uh, leadership team and uh, on the company talk about stuff. Uh, I don't need this this guy doing this shit about. Uh, you know, what what can we learn from from people in sports, especially when the stuff is like, on the one hand, like he, he did, listing all these things, you know, all these things that he learned from sports, and one of them was you got to be there every day, and from you know from the beginning of of you got to be the first person there and the last person to leave, like Curry Puckett. That's why Curry Puckett was was such a, such a great guy and everyone loved him. Uh, and then later on, he's saying you got to you know got to make sure you leave room for your family and <laughs> and leave room for your social life. So you have that. It's like which is it? What the fuck are you? What is this shit? What what am I gonna supposed to get out of this? Uh-huh. You're supposed to take out of it what you want to take out of it. And everyone takes out of it what they want to take out of it. And me, a cyn- I'm not a cynical guy, I think, in general, but uh, I'm <clears throat> I'm going to be real cynical when I see that shit. Yeah. And it, like it, it, when it kind of is shoved in my face and I'm like, look, I don't consider myself any smarter than the average person, but I do consider myself kind of more clever than, than a lot of people. And this is, this is not like, this, this shit does not work for me. Choose, I, your, choose your own motivation. Yeah. Look, my motivation is complicated, and it's not just money, and it's not just praise, and it's not just a feeling of accomplishment. There's lots of things going on in there. There's nothing I can boil it down to very simply. But what it definitely isn't is platitudes. Uh, it, it's it's not that. <laughs> On that note, I think we should uh, close Sounds up. Like a plan. Thanks, Thanks everybody. everybody.